back. Welcome back to another installment of the Bench Mob Podcast, your sports and pop culture talk from everyday people that you can relate to. Um, I'm your host, Antonio, Mr. Still Not Worried, with my bro, co-host, Miles, left-handed, smooth operator, Davenport. How you living? I'm living. I'm feeling blessed today. It's a beautiful day. Everybody rise and, sun, rise and, rise and shine. Jesus, let's get <laughs> money. <laughs> It's episode 31. This is our 44th episode overall. Um, we got a lot to touch on in this episode. Uh, we're going to talk about everything that happened this past weekend with the NFL, logo basketball in there. We're starting off first. Uh, shout out to everybody that voted. We got the goal accomplished. Trump is out of office. Biden is in. January 20th, 20th he'll officially be in office. Um, so shout out to everybody that voted. Shout out to the major places that we saw help swing the votes, PA and Philly, Philly specifically, Atlanta, uh, Detroit, all those places. Shout out to them. Jersey, you already know y'all came through. But one of the other things that happened to have a, a great weekend for me, uh, the game of the week that you considered was the game of the week, pretty, pretty much a lot of other people considered the game of the week, the Saints-Bucks game. Um, that Sunday night game, the Saints, it was no contest with the Bucks, 38 to three. They sweep the season series against the Bucks. Um, I guess we could start off what we saw from the Saints. What's your takeaways with how the Saints played? Well, they look good. I mean, everybody was already jumping on the bandwagon. I don't think anybody gave the Saints a chance in this game. So, they came out firing. Tampa Bay never fired a shot back. They just – they were cruising this game. Or, I don't know, Adam Gase was coaching them this game. It was it was kind of funny that they were only able to get three points, and that happened at the end of the game. But Drew Brees looked like the Drew Brees of old. They got Michael Thomas back, Kamara. They look smooth, and that's a good sign because – They've beaten the Tampa Bay Buccaneers twice this year. So they have the advantage in the division if it comes down to that. And it probably will at this rate. And this is a good sign for the Saints because this is probably their last shot at making a title run. And, yeah, this could be Drew Brees' last year. This, this might be his last dance. So anything that they can do against these better NFC, NFC teams, they got to show what they can do. And. Sunday night, they showed that they're still one of the best teams in the NFL. Watching this game, it made me think of like Andre 3000. It was like the South got something to say because uh, everybody was on Tampa Bay's bandwagon. Uh, the Saints become the third team in the past 30 years to have 12 different players catch a pass, according to the Elias Sports uh, Borough data. Uh, Breeze was spreading around. Um, if he could play like this, this might not be his last year. If he could play like this consistently, um, being able to spread the ball around. And maybe that's why he was struggling a little bit, not having Mike Thomas there, Emmanuel Sanders. Um, they still haven't been able to get, you know, the long, big plays, you know, the explosion plays as of yet, which could be, you know, he is over 40. He don't got the arm strength really like that, but can't knock the precision. Um, he's still accurate, still got the IQ. The Bucks. um, are we, is it safe to say that maybe we jumped the gun and thinking that they were actually 
a contender to go to the Super Bowl? A little bit. I mean, it's still early. A lot of teams need to develop chemistry. Like that was the first game Antonio Brown played with them and he didn't really do much in this game. None of the, the receivers really did anything. So I, I'll just chalk it up to just getting that chemistry right. But, I mean, Tom Brady didn't look good at all on Sunday. He was throwing picks. I think he didn't really affect the game in any way. It was kind of the opposite of what we thought. We thought Drew Brees would come into this game against that Tampa defense and struggle because everybody knows he's more of a, a dome quarterback. But he came out and was just lighting them on fire. He was almost like he, he did his Tom Brady impression on Sunday night. And <laughs> and Tom Brady was doing his Geno Smith impression, which <laughs> I don't know many people who are doing that impression. That's a bad day if you're doing the Geno Smith impression. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, tell me what you what's your thoughts on this? So it was reported that Bruce Aaron said that Mike Evans was open a bunch on Sunday. He didn't get targeted. That's all. Mike was open. It, it seems like this is the second time this season that Bruce Arians is throwing Tom Brady under the bus. Isn't and wasn't that part of what caused him to leave New England? Like, what is Bruce Arians like rift with Tom Brady? And obviously he didn't want Antonio Brown there. And Antonio Brown got some targets this this game, obviously. One of those interceptions was to Antonio Brown. Do you think he has some validity here, or is this just he just got a rift? I think it was just a bad game. Like Michael Thomas, I mean Mike Mike Evans, he's he's had a, a decent year. Like he's had a lot of touchdown catches, but if you look at it, if he does he's not catching a touchdown, he's not really doing this year. And that was before A B got there. So I think you could chalk it up to this team as a whole now. There's a lot more cooks in the kitchen trying to catch the ball. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore. He's almost got his number, his house number, his his house address, because he he hasn't let him catch a ball in the last three times they've they played. So he's got his number. So for everything Bruce Arians is trying to say that he was open and all this stuff, I mean, two targets, no catches in three straight games against this one cornerback, you gotta give more credit to the D back than and kind of trying to throw Tom Brady under the bus saying he he's he was open. We just didn't get it to him. Like, I get it. You're trying to, you know, big up your player. But at the same time, he couldn't get open. He wasn't getting open against Lattimore. And it's tough to throw to a guy who's not getting open. Like, if you look back, it reminds you of the Darrell Reeves days. Like, guys couldn't get open against him. And you just, you just settle for not throwing them the ball that day. And this was just one of those days. He's He's got his number, and that's that. Next big game, I said this was going to be my pick of the game of the week, and it did not disappoint at all. Uh, Josh Allen shines in this game against the Seahawks. Bills come out winning 44-34. They light up that Seahawks defense. Many did not obviously see the Bills winning. Um, Josh Allen, this is how bad the Seattle Seahawks defense is. Josh Allen got his career high in yards at 415 yards, threw for three touchdowns. Who was this a bigger game for? Was this more a big win for Buffalo or a terrible loss for Seattle? 
I think it's a mix of both because the Bills, they weren't actually exactly playing lights out football coming into this game. So for the Seahawks to lose this way and give up almost 50 points in an NFL game is wild. And that's probably what's going to be their downfall this year is that defense. So, I mean, Russ can only do so much. I mean, he's been turning it over a little more than usual these last few weeks, but yeah, it's a, it's a bad loss for, for Seattle, especially as well as Russ has been playing. It's kind of deflating to still put up 34 points and you still lose. But I think it's more, more so a big win for the Bills. Like I said, they weren't playing that well. They almost lost to the Jets and should have lost to the, the Patriots last week. And then they come out and be one of the best teams in the NFL and the Seahawks. Like Josh Allen looked good. He needed this game. This was a good, good test for him to go like toe to toe with a, a real elite quarterback and, and show what you can do. And I mean, he's got weapons. He's got Stefan Diggs, John Brown. That's all you can ask for on a team is me some weapons and I'll make some plays. And like you said, he had a career high in passing yards. He threw four touchdowns. It, it was a great, it was a great game for them. And Maybe they'll ride this momentum going forward. I mean, they pretty much got the division somewhat wrapped up. I don't. I don't believe the Dolphins are are that much of a threat. I mean, two is two and zero, oh, so they could be. But I think the Bills still they're still the best team in the AFC East right now. And Josh Allen's showing that he's probably the best quarterback in that division too right now. I think a uh, big, huge win for the Bills. I think it makes the argument now of who do we really see as an NFC favorite um, because between the Seahawks and the Bucks, who were considered the favorites, they both had terrible losses. Um, both defenses did not show up. Seahawks consistently have not shown up on defense, so maybe you would give the edge to the Bucks because before this game, their defense has been playing better. Maybe it's a two two team race between the Bucks and the Saints because, uh, as you said, I don't know how much longer they can continue the Seahawks playing like this on defense. Russell Wilson can only do so much. If Russell Wilson is throwing for four hundred fifty yards, and the other quarterback is also throwing for four hundred fifty yards, you can't expect every single game Russell Wilson gets the ball the last two minutes and you have to get a game winning touchdown, a game winning field goal for your team, they got to be able to get stops. And part of the plan was bringing Jamal Adams there who has not been able to stop the leakage at all. Um, so at all. I think that's something we got to watch because it's looking like maybe I think it's safe to say that the Chiefs are going to win again. And even though their defense looks a little sus as of late, but Seems like they know how to get timely stops. Seahawks can't stop anybody. So, I mean, the Seahawks, I mean, I hope, I don't know if they've burned that bridge completely, but I mean, Earl Thomas is still a free agent out there. And I know there's a lot of teams out there that could use a all pro free safety, especially for a team that just gave up 44 points to the Bills, a team that doesn't do that. <laughs> so, I don't know if, you know, Pete Carroll's pride is in the way or Earl Thomas is still throwing up the middle finger to Seattle, but I would, I would see, I would just see if he would 
be willing to come back and because they did have good years together they they made a couple Super Bowl runs they just need something because those D-backs are struggling like Jamal he's not that good in coverage like you could you could have told I could have told you that coming into this year and that's why I was so happy we got two first round picks because you got to pay this guy and he's like he's kind of like a box safety he's not like your prototypical like coverage safety to do all this stuff like the way he was used in New York they're not using him the same way in in Seattle and that's why he's struggling a little bit and you saw like tempers flared a little bit on the sideline during the game on Sunday so that's where like you said maybe they get an Earl Thomas you could put him more in the box Earl Thomas handled the back end you know he's more of a like you said prototypical safety he could he had good years in Seattle. Uh, I think maybe you you have Russell Wilson get that call, smooth things over, you know, let him talk it talk it through. Everybody loves Russ, so maybe that's something that they do. They give him a call. But you mentioned like Miami, who have been playing well. They're on a game, uh, four game winning streak right now. They just beat the Cardinals, who again I know we talked about it. We saw. The Cardinals winning this game, they actually pull it out. Miami are now like playoff contenders. What's your takeaways from this game? It's another tough loss for the Cardinals. Like this was a game that everybody expected them to win, especially seeing how Tua played last week. It was it was brutal watching that. And I, I figured that they'd let him, you know, use more of the playbook this week, but I mean, Tua came out and showed me something. He showed me that he can be a, a starting quarterback in this league, and he helped lead that team to a victory. He was making some good throws. He was using his legs, too. I, I mean, every time he runs, I'm, like, afraid of him to get hit because I know he's he's one of the more injury-prone quarterbacks out there, but he, he looked good, and this should give him more confidence going forward. So I think that that was a huge win for the Dolphins. Bad win, bad loss for the, the Cardinals. Like Kyler Murray, he did everything he could, like 400 total yards. He rushed for 104 touchdowns. But I don't know. They just can't finish some of these games that they need to. And especially with the, the Seahawks losing yesterday, they would have been tied if they won this game today, tied in the division, something that hasn't been said in Arizona in maybe a decade since they made that Super Bowl run. So the future's bright in Arizona. And I think the future's bright in Miami too, but they just got their number this time. Yeah, I think you look at it, as you mentioned, Kyler Murray did his thing. It's like they need more help in the run game. You can't have Kyler Murray throw for 283 yards and rush for 106 yards. He's pretty much the whole offense. He's getting Hopkins and Drake. He's getting them all involved in the passing game and running game. And then when you look at your running back, who only has 70 yards rushing at 2.8 yards a clip, I don't think that's going to cut it. You got to give Murray some more help in that regard. He can't do every single thing. Like, he can't run it, throw it, and I think it's going to work out. Um, shout out to Miami. They were able to pull out the win. But it had, had us thinking, had me thinking, with how Tua now is playing, you have Burrow playing well, you have my man Herbert playing well, 
Do you think if we redid this draft that just happened, does Tua and Herbert get drafted higher? Tua went five and Herbert went six. Now you look at Detroit, Stafford, decent quarterback still, but he's not the future. Um, you got the Redskins, they drafted Chase Young, but looking like they're back in the quarterback market. And the Giants, who took a chance in believing in Daniel Jones, you guys also passed up on Tua and Herbert. Do you think if you're the GM and you do this draft over, are y'all are you drafting them before that spot? I mean, looking at it now, seeing how, how well they're playing, you gotta think that they might reconsider. But I mean, the Redskins, that was the right pick. Chase Young was the best player in the draft, and he's still going to be an elite defensive end and that's kind of what you need on defense they wanted to give Haskins a shot and it hasn't really panned out so they still got their like pro bowl defensive end now they can get their quarterback next year and the quarterbacks are still going to be good next year so I think they made the right choice it's tough to you know go back on a decision like that when you have something so sure, like some of the quarterbacks you weren't sure about, but Chase Young was one of those things that you're like, I know, I know he's going to be really good. I mean, the, and the Lions, it's tough. They were, the coach is on the hot seat. They wanted to give Stafford another shot. He's been there for years and he's elite. It's just, he plays for the Lions and it's tough to see someone as elite if you're playing in Detroit as a quarterback. So, but he's been put in a bad spot and I don't think bringing in a rookie quarterback would have done any good for them. They were still trying to win. Now they could have been a little higher up in the playoff standings with a couple catches here or there, but honestly, I think they made the right choice. They, they let go of Darius Slay. He went to Philly. They got their number one corner now. And that's what most of these teams are missing. Like some teams don't have a number one cornerback. Like the Seahawks could definitely kill for a number one cornerback because the cornerbacks they have right now are probably <laughs> they're on an island out there and it's not it's not a good island. It's not one you can get off easily with a SOS. So that's a tough one. And then what the Giants? Yeah to give Daniel Jones another shot. I mean, I thought he would play a little better this year. I didn't think he'd, you know, play as bad as he did last year, but it's almost like everything's continuing. Like he's not getting better. It's not, it's not any better. Like Herbert is definitely better than him. Two is definitely better than him, but Gettleman, he was he was so set on this being his guy. He got the advice from Eli, the coach from Duke, who coached Eli and Peyton. That's what happens when you use an outside sources to get advice. Like the Jets did that with Adam Gase, getting advice from Peyton Manning. And then the Giants GM got advice from the Manning brothers. I mean, I'm seeing a trend. Maybe you don't take advice from the Mannings. They don't, they don't give good advice. It's not sound. But they'll they'll probably get their guy next year, the the, Jets, the Giants. I mean, the Jets will for sure. But the Giants, 
Yeah, they they're not going to miss on another quarterback because that's the base of a, a team. Like if you don't have a good quarterback, it's kind of tough for you to do well in this league. Like a defense can only carry you for so long, honestly. Because if you look back on it, like a few years ago when the Jaguars were a couple plays away from the Super Bowl, they had Blake Bortles, but they had the best defense in the league. So like a defense can carry you, but you do need that quarterback to lead you. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how everything pans out five years from now. I think in Detroit, they should have drafted Tua um, because everybody expected Tua wasn't going to play this year. Anyhow, you draft Tua, let Matthew Stafford finish out this year, maybe next year, and then Tua will be ready. He can learn from Matt Stafford. Um, that's how I see it. I think Tua should have got drafted higher or Herbert. Um, but we'll see. Of course, it's only been a year, so we'll see after their rookie contract is up, which is about four or five years, and we'll be able to really assess, like, this draft was <laughs> was these picks, the actual right picks. Transition into our flag on the play segment, except for the climb. First one, two former NFL players believe the games are scripted, accept or decline. I'll accept. <laughs> Benny Cunningham and Larry Johnson, former running backs, um, believe that the NFL games are scripted. According to Larry Johnson, the NFL games are all presentation and it's like the Truman Show. And Cunningham said the NFL makes players sign an NDA so they can't share the details. Thoughts on um, their belief of a scripted NFL game? I mean, if they sign non-disclosures, then they wouldn't even be able to speak on anything. They'd still be getting like legal fees and trouble coming their way if they even say what they just said. So I don't, I don't believe it. I don't think it's scripted because some of the things that happen in NFL games is so like wild that if you're scripting it to be that way, like if you're scripting the Jets to play the way they do then you gotta, <laughs> you need to be going to church Sunday and ask for forgiveness because that's that's messed up. That's a whole whole city, whole state. You're just messing over, and it's tough. But scripted, I don't know. There's I don't I don't see any base to those claims. A couple guys, they they're running back, so they've taken a few hits in their day. And I mean, you know, <laughs> you know how that goes. Yeah, Larry Johnson is a known, at this point since he retired, he's become known as a, a conspiracy theorist. So I wouldn't take Larry Johnson's words with much weight. Um, and if you see how some of these games are going, like you're telling me a scripted that Atlanta can't hold leads. Like, uh, Atlanta just can't hold leads. They, they suck. Um, next one, <laughs> Stefan Marbury's opinion on analysts who have never played pro. Accept or decline? I'll accept it. All right. I'm going to run by. He had a very interesting analogy. Um, and uh, I'll let you respond after this. First part, he says, you can't break down the game if you've never played at this level before. Now, the interesting analogy that kind of made it go viral and everybody kind of looked at it side-eyed. If you never had sex before and you're a virgin, you can't tell me how it is to bust a nut. That's what. Never. Mind. I heard this before. I, I saw Stefan Marbury said that. 
he's he's wild he's a wild dude he said some wild things you know if we want to really take it back to the days when he was eating vaseline i don't know he's he's a little he's a little messed up in the head i feel like but i mean he he's got some truth to what he's saying i mean it, i know guys get a little upset when guys who you know they might have not even made their ymca team and they get to be paid for talking sports and talking about the game as if they've been through it like they've gone out there and hit game winners in the playoffs or they've been to all-star games like no they i don't even know if they've been to all-star games on their my player that's the the issue like some of these guys they use their platform to kind of like talk bad about these players and it's just funny because we don't even know who you would be out there. So that's, that's why NBA players do get upset with like analysts who clearly didn't play basketball. They're just familiar with the sport, but that's the whole thing. Like Stefan Marber, he's saying what you, it's almost like you, what you can't debate sports because you didn't play it. Like that doesn't make any sense. That's basically what sports is. It's always going to be something that's debated, something that's talked about. Like, play in the league or you didn't play in the league we can't talk about the nba and criticize people for for what's going on like no it's you don't really have to be in the league to to have a voice and an opinion on what you see out there like you could say kuzma played trash in the finals and i shouldn't be getting backlash for that because lebron knows he played trash in the finals so it's not like you're saying something that's crazy but I get I get what he's saying, but it's going it's falling on deaf ears. They're not going to lose their jobs over Stefan Mar Stefan Marbury saying anything. I get what he was trying to say. Um, I agree to a certain degree. Um, I feel you can't be knowledgeable about the sport without playing it. You can't respect the sport. You can't respect the players without having to play it. Um, Speaking of cools, which we will be talking about in our bonus episode, which will be geared towards free agency and the draft, Kuz is expected he wants a big contract. And as you said, he did not play well in the finals, but we will leave that for our next episode. Next topic, Wingstop is starting to sell bone-in chicken thighs, except for the decline. Decline. I don't get. I don't get bone in anything at Wingstop. It's all. It's all strips and nuggets. Just give me the sauce on it. That's it. I don't. I can't. I can't deal with Wingstop if they're gonna start doing that. You want want a possible two thighs or five thighs with fries on the side? No, I'll probably just end up eating the fries if that's the case. Last one. Um, Man pays $150 for a full contact experience with a black leopard, except for the client. I'll accept because I want to know, like, there's got to be some more context behind this. <laughs> so in South Florida, of course, in Florida, um, Dwight Turner, who was 50 years old, paid Michael Puji uh, to play with to play with it, rub its belly and take pictures with a black leopard. What ultimately ended up happening, he received injuries so bad his scalp was hanging from his head and his right ear was torn in half. Um, thoughts on the full contact experience with a leopard? 
So out of respect for him, I'm going to say I hope he, he gets better. You know, I hope his scalp gets attached back to his head. That's, that sounds so weird to say because like one, what logical human being would go and play with a leopard and not realize like, yeah, this is a big cat. This is, this is not one of those, you know, street cats that you see walking around New Jersey so often, but damn, it's a rip off your scalp and your ear. He's gonna be trying, never gonna play with a cat. If he walks in the house and there's a cat there, he might, he might black out and just, cat just ends up somewhere else, honestly, because that's a rough experience and that that's traumatizing. But it's also, I don't want to say that's what he gets, but you know, sometimes you got to use common sense. Like, I'm not going to go to Africa and you know walk walk around the the safari and, and there's lions following me and I'm gonna be like, hey, you guys can play with me. I'm I'm safe. I'm cool. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. That's not it's not a logical thing to do. And some people don't use logical thought processes when it comes to these things like they want to experience it but i think it sounds like a midlife crisis thing he's 50 years old um this sounds like also again florida this is we whenever we hear some crazy stories in america typically is florida this is this is florida very written all over it this is florida um and obviously, you know, it's not none of our people doing nothing like this. We don't. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but <laughs> I'm glad somebody said it. <laughs> we ain't about to do a, a full contact experience with a black leopard. We could watch the animal planet and that'll be our experience right there. Um, My one question is, like, did he not have any protective gear like a helmet, you know? No, he went there. He went in there just like this. All right, so I don't feel that bad for him. So he was just an idiot. Some people are just idiots and they don't use better judgment. Because if someone wants me to get into a cage with a big cat or anything, I'm wearing something. I'm I'm bubble boy for that time. I'm not, you're not touching me. Like he, he got his first though. He paid for it. So maybe he was trying to do what Tiger King, you feel me? Like, you know, everybody went crazy after seeing Tiger King. So maybe that was his inspiration. But even some people in the Tiger King got killed by the the, the Tigers. So it's like, that's not even a good comparison because even then, some of those people, they're a little out of their mind too. Yeah, Tiger King, Black Leopard, either way, not a good decision. Um, transition into another cat-like animal. The Panthers played a very good um, game against the Chiefs. Many expected McCaffrey to go off, but didn't expect it to be a close game as close as it was. But the Chiefs were able to squeeze out 33-31 win. Um, one of my takeaways from this, Harrison Bucker, their kicker, missed his sixth uh, PAT of the season. Um, I think they're going to have to try to figure it out. He makes the long kicks, but for some reason he can't make the kick right there, 20, 25 yards. Um, and the Panthers, 435 yards of offense. 
Teddy Bridgewater looked elite, looked Hall of Fame-esque. McCaffrey did his thing. Um, what was your takeaways from this? Any concerns with this Chiefs defense? I mean, yeah. Like, it, it was Teddy Bridgewater. It's not It's not Russell Wilson throwing the ball against them. It's, like, when I say that, I mean, like, Teddy's not a guy – you expect to go toe to toe with Mahomes, but he did. He had a good game. I don't know. This Chiefs defense isn't the Ravens. They're not the Steelers. Like they play well against these bad teams, but once they go against like a, a really good team, I don't know. They're not gonna shut teams down. But that's why you have Mahomes. He's he's the shootout king. Like you don't want to get in a shootout with, with Mahomes because he can he can make it happen. And that's kind of where they are right now. They're, I don't want to say they're in the same boat as the Seahawks, but both defenses aren't exactly, you know, elite. They're not elite defenses. They, they play well against bad teams, but you know, when the playoffs come, those bad teams aren't playing. So that's where they got to figure something out. They can't, they, they got to, you know, celebrate this win, but at the same time, figure stuff out on defense because Tyron Matthew was getting burned a few times. All their D-backs were getting burned a few times because I don't think they had a couple receivers like Curtis Samuel had a good game. Robbie Anderson had a good game. Even McCaffrey out of the backfield was torching their linebackers. So it, something's got to give, honestly. But for now... They're set, they're, you know, top two team in the, the NFL. And that's, that's where they are right now. Maybe they'll turn it on when the playoffs come. Because some teams do that. But it's kind of tough to turn it on after you haven't really turned it on all year. So we'll see. I think something to look at, too, is, like, all the favorites, the favorites to, you know, make it to the Super Bowl, to be Super Bowl contenders – um, outside of maybe the Saints and the Bucks, none of them play elite defense. So maybe that's just just a year where we're going to see a Super Bowl where it's 44-34. This might just be that year because some of the other teams as good on defense aren't as explosive on offense. So you got the Ravens that are good in defense, Steelers that's good in defense, but they're nowhere near explosive as the Chiefs as, well, we could say the Bucks before, but maybe the Bucks the Saints um so and I think the Bucks still got figured things out too when I would add in Antonio Brown but it's something to look out for in regards of the rest of this season playoffs and maybe this is just a trend where it's like hey you don't really need per se an elite defense and so it's nice to have an elite defense but you really need to have as much firepower as possible and make timely stops more of the bend don't break defenses that's yeah. what makes we're trending towards now. You don't need a, a lead. We held them to 15 points defense. Um, it's all about offense and something to look forward to next season. I think the Panthers look like they got their their offense set for at least for the next couple of years. McCaffrey came back, gave you the McCaffrey experience. He 69 yards rushing a touchdown, 10 catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown first game back. Again, I think that helped Teddy Bridgewater look real good. Samuel played well. Robbie Anderson has been playing good all season. They got a nice little mix on offense. If they could get some defense um, 
to be able to a little be better next year, maybe in a draft for free agency, you might be looking at the Panthers being back on the top in their division um, in regards to playing well. But that's how this week nine went. Um, you have any takeaways from that you might want to say in regarding the rest of the, the week, how it went? Um, I know everybody saw that nail biter last night. That was, I didn't watch the game, but I was sweating and I was in the city. They were winning. As I'm leaving dinner, I look at the score and it's tied up. I was so, I've never been so excited for a tie score in my life. Because they almost won that game for no reason. Like the Jets almost blew it. But Thank you, Cam Newton. Thank you, Bill Belichick, for getting the dub. Thank you, Nick Folk, our former kicker. He probably helped us get where we need to be because I was looking at our schedule and there's not really a, a win in sight. It's fine. I'm cool with it. We could go 0-16 as long as we get that number one pick. It doesn't really matter this year. I mean, nine losses at this point, we're not making the playoffs, so we might as well just embrace the tank fully and yeah I mean the young guys look good last night like Denzel Mims he looks good Ashton Davis at safety he looked good who else I mean Perryman had a good game for the Jets too so these are the the, the wins that we need we need players to play well but not you know too well that they're winning games. They could play, they could play well and show glimpses and flashes, but don't come out here and start, you know, winning games we shouldn't. Like I don't want us to beat the Chargers or the Dolphins or whoever else we have to play for the rest of the year. Like I'm good. If we can continue to do this, I'm cool with this. Tank for Trevor. That's all I gotta say. Hashtag tank for Trevor. <laughs> uh we see again NFC East is still wide open. Washington loses um, a game they shouldn't have lost. The Giants pull up that win, and even when and the Cowboys lose it, Cowboys pulled out a win against the best team in the, the league. So, is that enough to get them back in your good graces? <laughs> I'm not a Cowboys fan, so it don't. <laughs> oh, we're still going with that. All right, all right. It don't phase me. I'm just pointing out the. <laughs> It's still wide open, even with Washington losing. It puts, like, the Cowboys a game and a half behind. So they still have a chance. Maybe they found something with Garrett Gilbert, um, <laughs> which would say a lot if they found something with Garrett Gilbert. Uh, but as you all know, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Bench mob, we out. Peace. Peace.